You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Vision, Part 2 of 2. Enjoy. Let's jump right into get-togethers. Why we're getting together. Why it's so important to love people. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, very important scripture, it tells us that God is love. Very important to know that. That love, in one sense, really is not a verb, it's a person. God is love. So when we talk about love, we're talking about God. And we also know from the scriptures that we were made in the image of God. Well, if God is love, that means we were made in the image of love. Absolutely. We were made in the image of love. Now, sometimes I didn't grow up in a church that taught me about Jesus or we didn't learn the Bible. And the home that I grew up in, man, there was some nasty fighting going on. I mean, it was a stressful place. I didn't want to be there. A lot of pain, a lot of shouting, a lot of fighting going on. So I didn't really know. And all I knew of love is what I saw in the movies, right? The, the man's version of love. But when I came to, to know Jesus, I discovered real love. And it was quite different than my experience growing up. And I found that love is so vibrant. It's so welcoming. It's so expectant that it's ever ready to believe the best of every person. That it's so expectant, so vibrant, that it has to express itself. That love is on a mission to love. That love is always looking for others to love. That love loves to love for love's sake. There's nothing like love. You can't stop love. You can't offend love. You can't shut love off. You can't quench love. Love never gets old. It never fades out. It never becomes obsolete. Love is not dependent upon our behavior. Love is not conditional. Love is not based on performance. And these were radical to me as I learned these things. And I learned, it, we got it on our wedding ring, uh, on the inside of our wedding ring. We have 1 John 4.18. Does anyone know what that says? 4.18, not 4.18. Anyone know what that says? It tells us that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love dissipates, removes, casts out fear. So it's a good litmus test in our lives. But we can tell how much of God's love we've received. It's proportionate to how much fear there is in our lives. The more of his love I've received, the less fear I have. Does that make sense? His love casts out fear in my life. So the more I receive his love, the more fearless I become. The stronger I become the more confident I become. So get-togethers is really, as we love one another, we grow in His love. Because we're not loving each other. We're not getting together at our house because uh, because we all do everything right. Or because um, we're part of a, of 
of a certain club or clique. We're getting together because of love. See, we were made in the image of love. We were made by love, for love, to love. God is love. Isn't that awesome? In Genesis chapter 1, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we see something pretty amazing. We see a lot of things amazing in Genesis chapter 1. But there's a phrase that happens six times in Genesis chapter 1. It says, and God saw that it was good. 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 Six times. It was good. Six times. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, look at that verse. For the first time in the Bible, God declares that something is not good. What is it? And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be what? Alone. Now, was Adam alone? Well, God was with him, wasn't he? God obviously wasn't talking about that. Why? Why did he said it's not? Why did he look at Adam and said he say he's alone? Because we were made to be in relationship with God and with others. See? Did you know that Adam was different than God? Oh, I thought Adam was made in the image of God. Well, he was. God made us in his in his likeness, in his image. But Adam had a birthday. God doesn't. You see the difference? Adam had a beginning. God doesn't. So we need a relationship with the one who has no beginning and with others who have beginnings. And that's how God made us. He made us to be in relationship with one another. Love is much bigger than one beginning than one birthday can express. Love is much bigger than I can express. What God wants to do in your life and in my life is bigger than me and is bigger than you. And that's the nature of love. See, God, unlike uh, us, because we have a birthday, we were all born and we grow and we learn and we increase. But God, that never happened to God. He was never born. He, he never learned anything. God never matured. He always has been, he is now, and he ever shall be. Isn't that amazing? You ever thought about that? God's never learned anything. Kind of makes our natural mind go, tilt, right? But he's never had to grow. He's never had to mature and go to a new level. He's always been all. He's always been perfect power. He's always been love. He's never had a bad day. In that sense, there are things that have grieved his heart. There was a day when he separated himself from his son. There was a day when his people rebelled against him. But in terms of, of who he is as a, as, a, as a being, as a God, he's never had an off day, never had a bad hair day. See? And that's who God is. He's love. And who he is is much bigger than we can express. In, in, in just one life. In fact, when we come together, we find that each one of us has, is unique. 
really. And I've been to many different nations and, and met many different kinds of people. And it is true that people are people wherever you go. But at the same time, we are all unique. And you have giftings in you that I don't have. I'll never have. And you have degrees of giftings that are different than I have. You have a different personality. And when we all come together, we find that we are God's tapestry. That as we love one another, we experience him. We experience new dimensions of his love for us. And that's what get-togethers are all about. We come together in him, loving each other because he is love. Loving each other because he loved us first. Getting together in each other's homes because his love reigns in our lives. So we are God's tapestry, and to kind of prepare our hearts for what God wants to do through these get-togethers, let's look in the book of Acts. This is absolutely amazing. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, and let's look at the very first generation of the church. This is the body of Christ birthed in the earth, the very first generation of believers. It's amazing. Let me get my Bible open here. Acts chapter 1, excuse me, Acts chapter 2. Now keep in mind, prior to this, the church, the body of Christ has never existed in the earth. This is brand new, okay? In fact, they, they, they didn't have the New Testament to read like we do. Okay? They had the Old Testament, they had the Scriptures, they had the Law and the Prophets, but they didn't have what we have. All they had was the teaching and testimony of the apostles. Amazing. We're in a better place than they were. Isn't that something? Acts chapter 2. Let's start reading in verse 1. Let's follow along with me. And we'll, we have some of the scriptures on the screen, but not verse 1. Let's start in verse 1. So it's, actually, I'm just going to talk you through it for time's sake. So in verse 1, we see it's the day of Pentecost, okay? The day of Pentecost have, has come, and they're all in one accord. Now, there are about 120 of them, it tells us earlier in chapter 1. So there's about 120 followers of Christ in this home. And what are they doing there? They're together, it says they're in one accord. What does that mean? They all have put their faith in Christ. They're all following the instructions of the disciples. Now, after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to this, his disciples for a period of about 40 days. And he told them, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until you're what? Clothed with power from on high, until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they're just listening to what the Lord told them. And they're waiting for the promise. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And here it comes in verse 2. Suddenly there comes a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Try, when I read the Bible, I try and imagine what it must have been like sitting there. It's good to do. So this, this rushing, might, this sound of just a rushing mighty wind. Have you ever been in a windstorm and, and you're outside and you, it almost blows you over? You know, there's a sound of a mushing, rushing mighty wind. And verse 3, And there appeared cloven tongues of fire, like a fire unto them. And they begin, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. They begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. And now they're in Jerusalem. They're not doing this in secret, 
right? And there are people who, Jerusalem was a place that people traveled to. In Jerusalem, there are people there from all kinds of different nations and different areas, and they hear and see what's going on. This wasn't a quiet little thing, okay? This was a life-changing body of Christ born in the earth thing. Never before has this happened, and here they are. And so this thing is... is um, moving forward, God's presence is there. They're reacting to the presence of God. They're speaking in other tongues. I imagine they were laughing. I imagine some of them were on the, on the ground just so, so overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Some of them were probably singing. Some of them were, were praising Him. This was a party in every sense of the word. In fact, it was such a scene that the people who were not in this party, were not in the 120, were, were, were shocked by it. And they were shocked for a number of reasons. First, they heard the praises of God in their individual languages. So this was an international event, right? You had all these people coming from different nations hearing the praises of God from these uh, people who didn't speak those languages. It was a supernatural occurrence. And it puzzled them. And they're trying to figure out what, what's going on. And the only thing some of them could come up with was they were drunk which really doesn't make any sense, but the world can't explain the supernatural love of God. The world can't explain the Spirit of God. He does things beyond our natural understanding. He's much better than we've imagined. He's much greater than we've imagined. So they're full of the Holy Spirit, and they're so overjoyed that His praise bursts out of their mouth. And those who don't understand this are saying, they've been drinking too much wine. Now in verse 16, can we put that up on the screen? Eden, verse 16, and, and Peter stands up, and he lets them know what's going on. And he says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this was prophesied years ago by Joel, right? Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. This is a landmark event, right? They've been waiting years and decades, centuries for this. And on my, my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. That's supernatural. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, beneath blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. And then he goes on to speak to these people who are mocking them. They've got, he's got their attention, right? He's saying, this is not exclusive to us, right? This is not something due to what we've drunk. This is a promise that was prophesied from the prophet Joel. And it's for you. It's for any who would believe, all right? So he goes through that. In verses 22, and he tells them that this Jesus that they crucified was the Christ. 
And the Holy Spirit's there, right? The Holy Spirit's moving during this time. And he's moving upon the hearts of those people. And as they're listening to Peter explain to them who Jesus is, and he's listening, telling them about the Christ, their hearts begin to come, become convicted. And it's in verse 38. 37, actually. It says, now when they heard this, when they heard that, that this Jesus that was crucified was, was both Lord and Christ, in verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent. Who knows what repent means? Yeah, think differently. That's different than what I learned. I remember one time as a kid, we had to go what we called, to what was called confession. And, and if we didn't do that, we got in big trouble, so I had to go. And, and I went to confession, and I, and I told this um, minister my, my sins. And, and this is what I was told. I was told I had to say four of a certain type of prayer, four of another kind of prayer, and wash the dishes for my mom for a week. So I thought, okay, that's repentance. I say four of these, four of those, wash the dishes, I'm good to go. But it didn't do anything for me. I didn't went out and did the same thing again, Because right? that's not repentance. Repentance is not you uh, getting on your knees and crying or, or um, trying to think what you can do to atone for your sins. Repentance is simply changing the way you think. It's believing on Jesus Christ, accepting not only who he is, but what he's done for you, realizing that what he did for you is sufficient, that simply through faith in him, we're washed clean of our sins, don't have to wash any more dishes, not for that reason anyway, right? Not to be forgiven, we're forgiven simply through faith in him. This was a major turn in world events, right? When Martin Luther realized that, that salvation is not through washing dishes or confession, that it's through faith, right? It's by grace through faith. So repent, Peter says. Think differently. Change your mind. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Let me read this to you out of the New American Standard. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. It's not exclusive, is it? And your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them. So this wasn't like a little, you know, 10-second speech. Peter was with many words. He's exhorting them. He kept on telling them, be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41, so then those who had received his word, it's all based on the word, right? Were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Amen. Highway Church. And they were continually devoting themselves to what? The apostles' teaching, the word always comes first, right? And to fellowship. Your fellowship is built on the word, right? And to the breaking of bread, that's having meals together and the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed, 
were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions. I mean, this is different, isn't it? And were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind, just like they're in the upper room in one accord, right? One mind in the temple daily, right? And breaking bread from house to house, they were t taking their meats together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. In Highway Church. So what brought on this supernatural behavior? Can you imagine this? 3,000, at least 3,120 people, right, were now a community. And they loved each other so much that some of them were selling possessions, selling homes and lands, and bringing the money into the, into the disciples to distribute as there was need. That's love. <laughs> That's supernatural. They weren't, did the disciples tell them to do that? No. This isn't a weird, you know, Jim Jones kind of thing. Who is that guy, the cult? Is that his name? Jim? You know, where you're forcing people to give. No, that's not the heart of God at all. This is the love of God. There's nothing mandatory here. It's all involuntary. It's a response to his amazing grace. We love him, and because we've received his amazing love for us, we're not afraid to love others anymore. We're looking for others to love. So this community is formed, and it's so important that we understand this as we come together this, this Wednesday night in our home that the strength of a community is determined by the reason for the community, why you're coming together. And the strength of a relationship is determined by the reason for the relationship. What did they have in common? Faith in Christ. Now, this was the real Jesus. See, man's tradition and religious ceremony, that, that wasn't even a part of this. They were just with the disciples. They had the word of God fresh from Jesus through them. They didn't have any established traditions or ceremonies at this point. This is just them and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, life unlimited, life and liberty in Christ. And they responded to that, realizing what? That God's taking care of us. God's going to meet all of our needs. So we want to we wanna see this thing expand and grow. And they just brought their possessions in. They sold stuff. And they said, God, be glorified in our lives. And this is, this is beyond natural. This is beyond what, what we see in the world. In the scriptures, it talks about being unequally yoked in Corinthians. And all that means is that you've come together for another reason other than Christ. So I want you to know that we're here this morning. Highway Church began because of Christ. And that we're, ha we're, we're having our corporate worship together. We're starting our get-togethers. We're serving in the dream team. All because of Jesus. And we have something really precious, really priceless, and that's a faith in Christ. And if you study the history of the body of Christ, 
from Acts till present day. It's amazing. The body of Christ has gone through a lot of ups and downs, a lot of phases. It's, it's splintered and divided in many different ways. There's times in history when the body of Christ was persecuting the body of Christ for reading the Bible. Crazy. Crazy. Can you imagine that? So I want you to understand we have something. When I say faith in Christ, I want you to understand the, 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 the difference here at Highway Church. And, and I've seen God just in my lifetime where the, the, the denominational lines are fading. And I think that's wonderful. Where more and more Jesus is being exalted. Where, and less and less of what denomination you're a part of. Even since I was a child. I didn't know there was any other kind of church than what I grew up in. See? And, and I want you to, it shouldn't be this way. But nevertheless, you should be able to walk into any church and know that Jesus took your sicknesses upon himself. That it's God's will for you to be physically healthy. That's the, that's the ABCs of the gospel. Unfortunately, you will not hear that in many churches. Highway church is different. We're here, and that's part of the calling on our lives, so that you can receive the abundance of God's grace, so that you can know that through Christ, all that God is is now yours, just by faith. You don't hear this everywhere, and I, I, I know God's changing that. But right now, I want you to realize we have a like precious faith at Highway Church. So we're motivated to come together on Wednesdays or whenever we have our small groups because of our faith in Christ, knowing that we're in a, in a, a community of people that have this like precious faith that we know that it's the goodness of God. We've received the goodness of God, that it's his will for us to be well, that, that whosoever calls upon his name will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I came to know uh, Jesus back in 1989 and knew Jennifer, she was a friend of mine, we were on a university campus, about 18,000 students uh, in northwest Ohio, and I, all I knew was what I grew up with. And I thought when I started reading the Bible, I, okay, I, I found life and I thought every believer believes this. So I received physical healing. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God was doing miracles in my life. And I thought, well, this is Christianity. And then there were about nine different groups on campus. And I found out that the group, my, well, she wasn't my wife at the time, my friend Jennifer went to, told her to stay away from people like me, that I was dangerous because I spoke in tongues. And I, I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for today. And they believe that it was just for this first generation of believers. And that you, just so God can kind of, you know, kickstart the church. But that's it. I didn't believe that. I didn't see that anywhere in the scripture. Still don't. <laughs> and I was experiencing it. And I was so uh, shocked because I thought I had been set free from wrong thinking. And I was so shocked to find out that these different groups that all named the name of Jesus, they were all part of the body of Christ, didn't believe things in here. And I was shocked to, to learn that, that the things that people believe that were contrary to who Christ is. So I'm saying that not to put anyone down, but I want you to realize we have something here. It's a light, precious faith that has not been common in New England. And I'm thankful for the churches in New England, and I pray for them. I pray that they expand and that the goodness of God is preached. But it's not easy to find the fullness of the gospel here in New England. And we believe God is changing that through Highway Church. And not only us, but others as well.
And so we're motivated to come together because we want to see this fullness, the fullness of God's love, the fullness of our redemption, this, this deliverance, this liberty in Christ just spread like wildfire throughout New England. And that happens simply through relationship, just loving him and loving each other. God is so good. So we come in together on Wednesday night. Let's look at John chapter 13. We just have a few more scriptures, and we're going to pray. This is something Jesus said. And if Jesus said it, man, we're all over it, right? That's for us. He said, a new commandment in verse 34, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as long as people are nice to you, right? As I have, no, okay. As I have loved you. Wow, so we had a whole different reason for coming together now, right? So we got a whole new reason for smiling at each other, right? Because Jesus loved us. So we smile at people when they get mad at us, right? We love people when they don't love us. When they're grumpy or they pull out in front of us or they cut in front of us in the line in the grocery store. We love them, right? Because Jesus loved us. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now go to 2 Corinthians. Stay with that. So this is a new kind of love. It's not based on our performance and it's not based on others' performance. It's based on God's love for us. So important to remember that. Because we're going to come together. Guess what? As you get to know people, you, you realize we got faults. You're going to realize there are things about me you don't like. I used to be a Steelers fan back in the day. It's true. I don't talk about it much, but it's true. All right? So, but it doesn't matter. God loved you, so you got to love me, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14. Look at this. For Christ's love compels us. One translation says constrains us. It does both. It compels us and it constrains us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now listen to it in the message translation. I like this. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. That's Acts chapter 2. That was extreme, but that's the love that's in us. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone, puts everyone in the same boat. I like that. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. Look at this. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Wow. Verse 16 in the NIV. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So this love supersedes ethnicity. It supersedes uh, any kind of um, social status. 
It supersedes gender. It's not about men. It's not about women. It's about people. This love that's in us just, just crosses every line. It reaches every boundary. It supersedes every barrier. It breaks through every division. It's the love of God, and that's what's in us. We need to love each other. We can experience God's amazing love for us fully until we love each other. Isn't that awesome? So I want you to know as we go forward together on this adventure, as we go down the highway, that we want to keep our hearts set on the love of God. We want to love each other, not because we're uh, always doing everything right or because our personalities are so sweet or because we, we said the right thing or we didn't say the right thing, but because God loved us. So prepare your hearts for Wednesday. Come ready to love. And I, I know that God is going to meet needs. He's going to meet our needs through, through many ways, but one of those ways is through each other. So when we come together, we're, we're ready for God to speak to our hearts. Someone might need you to pray for them. Someone might need encouragement. There was a, I was in a Target with, I think, two of my children, and we were walking through the aisles, and I, had a, I, I walked past uh, two moms with two little ones, and, and I felt the Lord kind of speak to my heart to, to say hi to these ladies and invite them in to church. So I walked up to him and I, I said, hi, how you guys doing? And, and I, I handed him an invite. I said, I want to invite you to a new church in the area. And, and, and she said, oh, we just moved here. And, and uh, I said, oh, where do you live? She said, in Fall River. I said, wonderful. Well, she said, thank you so much. And, and, and I, you know, I, I had an opportunity to speak to them. And then I didn't pray with them right there, but to pray for them afterwards. And who knows what God will do in that life. But we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as we're going through our day, as we come together at Highway Church. We, we all have needs, and God meets them in amazing ways. But he, he might want to meet someone's need through you. So not, it's an involuntary thing. It's a love thing. But it's, a, it's being sensitive to His Holy Spirit. Loving God, loving people, and serving in His kingdom. Let's pray. At Highway Church, we encourage you to make God's love your motivation in life. To love others not as they love you, but as Jesus loves you. His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. Let His love bring new life to you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.